0: This is the Cater Daily Podcast for Friday, July 7th, 2023. I'm Caleb Brown. Local governments exist at the pleasure of states, and states exert a wide range of control over how local governments tax, spend, and keep the books. North Carolina is adding some teeth to its requirement that local governments produce audited financial statements in a timely fashion. Cater's Mark Joffe explains the lesson for states and localities elsewhere. Mark, at the state level, how do state governments hold local governments accountable for, you know, behaving in ways that the state believes that they should? We should note, local governments exist at the pleasure of the state. It really is all
1: over the map, Caleb. Some states are completely hands-off, and some really exercise a lot of oversight over their local governments. In North Carolina is an example of a state that has really taken a very aggressive attitude towards local government oversight. And it wasn't always that way before the Great Depression. There were a lot of instances of counties defaulting on their bonds, and eventually the state realized that the the way to clean up local government credit was to have much stronger oversight of local governments. So, what are typical
0: I don't know clawbacks or punishments that are doled out when local governments aren't behaving the way state governments want them to.
1: Well, there there are cases, especially in Pennsylvania and Michigan, of the state taking over governments that become fiscally insolvent and don't you know don't meet certain criteria that the the state sets, and then at that point the local government does not does no longer have fiscal control there's usually an appointed manager from the state that uh, that takes over the city's finances an example of that is flint michigan they had been under state control twice in the 21st century for many years each time so that that is an aggressive position that a state can take other states like california for example have allowed bankruptcies to happen with very little state
0: intervention so in the case of north carolina Local governments are supposed to turn in to the state on a regular basis, audited financial statements, and many haven't.
1: Right. So North Carolina has a pretty strict limitation on how long a local government has to file its financial statements. It's normally four months in North Carolina. Usually at the federal level, you're seeing a a limit of nine months the municipal bond market usually requires 6 months so 4 months is a particularly short time frame by government standards it's not a short time frame by corporate standards so the sec for example requires companies to usually file within 60 to 75 days depending on the size of the company and whether it's a quarterly or annual financial statement so governments even in north carolina get a relative pass compared to companies but north carolina is definitely stricter than most.
0: And as of this recording, it was this week that that changed.
1: Well, so the four-month deadline doesn't really come with any teeth. And uh, there are cases in North Carolina, uh, according to uh, a legislative analyst, about 25 to 35 cases out of the over 600 local governments in North Carolina, where the government takes over a year, so that's three times as long as normally required, to file their financial statements. So the legislature decided that they wanted to put some teeth into the state treasurer's oversight of local government by imposing some kind of penalty if this, the city or other local government took over a year to file their financial statements. And again, it's important to recognize that that is eight months longer than the actual deadline. So SB-299, a bill that recently became law after the state legislature override overrode a governor's veto, that bill makes a, makes a situation where the state will withhold sales tax revenue shares from local governments that do not file within one year. And they will hold that for the lesser of the time it takes to get the financial statement filed or one additional year. So it's a pretty mild penalty it's just a basically a short term hold on receiving sales tax revenue shares but it sends an important message i think to local governments that are that
0: are you know less less competent and accountable in terms of their financial statement filing so i i can understand this because you know what was it james carville said a long time ago he said if i could be reincarnated i'd want to come back as the bond market <laughs> And I could, because I can imagine, yeah, because the bond market is powerful, right? It, it disciplines, in this case, governments to behave in certain ways that they might not otherwise or might not be uh, incentivized to behave in, in certain ways in terms of having all the T's crossed and the I's dotted on financial statements. Are states sensitive to that? Is that part of what is driving this? That is, we want our local governments to be more accountable, relatively more accountable than is required even by the bond market?
1: Yeah, I think there's some of that, you know, connecting it to the bond market point. I know that when Detroit went bankrupt, there was concern in Michigan that that would cast a pall on the entire, you know, local government bond issuance within the state of Michigan. So, well, if, if Detroit can go down, you know, why not Ann Arbor? Why not Flint? And so on. So, because of that, a state does have an incentive to sort of make sure that all of their local governments are behaving well, because there could be a contagion effect or at least a, a perception of a contagion effect across the different entities.
0: And does that feed perceptions about the state itself?
1: Yes, I think I think you've seen that. I think with Detroit, for example, there was a lot of negative attention you know, cast on Michigan with Stockton and San Bernardino. Filing for bankruptcy in 2012, there was a general sense that California wasn't in a good place. And you know, on the other hand, you you might have a smaller community, you know, within a much larger jurisdiction. There was there was one city, I believe the name is Petersboro in the southern part of Virginia, that entered a financial crisis a few years ago. And I don't think there was a perception that Virginia generally had a problem. So I think it has to be a fairly significant entity you know, within the state to, to cause that
0: perception. And liabilities, at least local liabilities, they fall upward.
1: Yes, there is a lot of temptation and pressure for states to bail out local governments and for the federal government to bail out states. You know, New Jersey is an example of that. Atlantic City has had perennial problems and the state has had to intervene there. There was state intervention in the case of New York City and Yonkers back in the
0: 70s. So yes, sometimes the state feels the need to get involved. Is there a clear-cut lesson here for uh, state governments or for local governments that would like to avoid financial problems and maybe undue attention from the state auditor and the legislature?
1: Well, I think there's an ex- there are lessons both at the local and state level. So at the local go- level, file your financial statements on time, maintain proper reserves, don't build up too much in, the, in un, unfunded liabilities like pensions and other post-employment benefits, and just you know run run a fiscally sustainable shop. You know, at the state level, I think North Carolina once again is really blazing a trail and setting an example for other states by demanding local government accountability. And I think states that do a better job of monitoring their local governments can anticipate problems earlier and intervene. By, for example, taking over control of a, of a city or a county's finances before things really run off the rails. So I think you know, other states should be looking to North Carolina as, a, as an example of how to better manage their local government's finances.
0: There were some calls when Detroit went bankrupt. I can recall people saying, well, surely some angel, perhaps Washington, D.C.-based angel will come in and help detroit and let's not call it a bailout let's call it a rescue and i i wonder what the pressure is with respect to the federal government to try to step in of course the federal government has its own debts to deal with but you know is that is there that pressure from individ, you know maybe powerful politicians in a state to say hey we need help even though these problems are probably self-inflicted
1: well, that definitely occurred during COVID. So at the beginning of the COVID crisis, there was a belief that cities and states would suffer a massive loss of revenue. And so as a result, there were there was a lot of pressure on the federal government to bail out or you know, provide extra subsidies to state and local governments. And so when the Biden administration took power in 2021, we had the American Rescue Plan Act, which included $350 billion of funding for state and local governments. Which turned out to be largely unneeded because the doomsday scenarios of d- reduced tax revenues really never came to pass. People started working from home. Their you know income tax receipts continued to do really well in states that, you know, tax capital gains they did really, really well because we were printing so much money and driving the stock market up. So in fact, we distributed all this money from the federal government, and state and local governments by and large, didn't need it. But, when you have individual situations, I think now the precedent has been set to try to get the federal government involved. Now, in terms of accountability, you know, the federal government already distributes each year, even in a non-COVID year, about a trillion dollars in grant funding to state and local governments you know, through all sorts of uh, programs, you know, Medicaid, for example, roads, you know, transit, and so forth. So any local government that receives more than $750,000 of federal aid in a particular year has to file audited financial statements. And right now the deadline for that is nine months. But there's also no penalty if you don't file. And in fact, we've seen cases like, for example, the state of California, which has been late five consecutive years. Puerto Rico has been con- late consistently. There are cities, for example, like uh, Compton, California, that have just totally missed years; they never filed one for 2015 or 2016 or 2017, and yet they continue to receive federal support. So I, I would hope that you know Congress would look at that and and think about how they could follow North Carolina's you know lead and d-
0: demand more accountability of their grantees. Mark Joffe is a policy analyst at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.